0: Good to see everybody this morning and and welcome to church. So love our coffee time. I know for those who are watching, kind of know what we do. And for those might be visiting, uh, love taking that time in between worship and the word, just for everybody to build relationship with each other, for you to be able to to shake each other's hand, talk a little bit more. Um, Remember, you know, that the word of God and the spirit of God come all throughout life. Right. Remember, I think last week we shared this. There, there are three things that transform people. The Word of God, the Spirit of God, and the people of God. Those are the three things that transform our lives. And, and I think many times in church, we're very familiar with the transforming power of the Word of God, the transforming power of the Spirit of God. But I don't think we always take time or give space for us to be transformed by the people of God. Amen. We, we need people, right? And remember, I say this a lot. You know, we, we say it a lot here. Y'all can probably finish this good church phrase. Remember, it's not about religion. It, it's about, let's try one more time. So it's not about religion. It's about It's about relationship. And we understand that very well vertically between us and God. That is totally true. But did you know it's also true horizontally? Yeah. That it's not about religion. It's about relationship. You've heard me say this before, but remember, many people in the church world, they have religion with each other, but they don't have relationship with each other.
1: Can you imagine what a human body would look like if we did that? No. If the heart said, well, I just talked to the head. I don't talk to anything else. Yeah. If the kidneys or the liver said, well, I just talk to the head, I don't talk to anything else, there would be no actual synergy within the body and it would not function. Yeah. Everything has to connect with one another in order for there to be the power for things to function properly.
0: Absolutely. Very good. So I say that. So that's why we do that. That's why we have the coffee break in the middle. I know that might seem odd for what normally happens uh, in church, but it's to give that opportunity for us to know one another and for the beginning of transformation by the people of God to happen. Amen, for those things to work out in our life, all right? We're going to try not to get distracted and preach a whole other message that's not on this piece of paper, all right? right? This one right here. All right, sounds good. So go, if you will, in your Bibles, again, I'm going to give you uh, two passages to start. You can go ahead and go to Romans chapter 10, and you can turn over to Luke chapter 6, and to kind of catch up anybody that's here that maybe hasn't been with us, we're, we're talking about in the day and the hour in which we live. How many of you, I okay, can't... How many of you are excited that Jesus really is coming back really soon? You know, how many of you are now the only time now I actually like reading and and listening to the news is today, right? Because there's a whole ton of stuff going on that's like, Jesus talked about that. (laughs) Jesus said that would happen. And Jesus said that would happen. and, And this looks like this is happening. And you can kind of geek out and go, wow, God said when these things happen, we are to what? Rejoice. Thank you for the one. What are we supposed to do? Rejoice. Rejoice. Why? Because our redemption, it says, is drawing nigh, which is Him. He is coming. So when you look up and you see all that's going on in the world, we should and must get excited because He is coming. Amen. Mm -hmm. Praise God. And so because of of that, we've been looking at the the kind of the stories of Israel and looking at their journey from Egypt into the promised land, because Paul said that for us, those that live at the end of this age, we can look at Israel's story and whatever they went through is an example for us to know what we need to do in this day. Right? So aren't you glad God didn't leave you without a pattern? What a good thing. Right? And if you if you ever sit there and you're talking to people, and they go, what are we going to do? Right? Israel is under attack. We go, easy. We're going to go read about the Israel story. And he said, we'll know what to do. And so for sake, we don't have time to go through the whole thing. But we're looking at the reality that God is committed to the death of our doubt. Yes. Amen. That God, not just you only, but God is interested and God is active in killing any doubt that is in our lives. Yes, amen. So that only faith and strong faith in Him remain. Yes. So that we can have a high expectation to see Him do not just what He did back in Israel's day, but to see Him do the same thing today. Amen. Yes, amen. To have an exuberant faith to see. So that's what we're talking about. just kind of catch up. So we're looking then at then how does God kill our doubt? And God kills our doubt by continually introducing and showing us who he is. He continues to show up and say, this is who I am, right? So here it says, and we very frequently just to catch as our text, Romans 10, 17. And we're gonna say, so then faith comes how? Mm -hmm. And hearing comes how? By the word of God. So how does faith come? By hearing. By hearing. How does hearing come?
1: By the word
0: of God. By the word of God. And as we said last, and remember that hearing isn't a passive hearing. It's an active hearing. Mm -hmm. And what we mean by that is, is I'm hearing with the heart of someone who wants to do what I hear. Yes. Remember, we looked a week or so ago, we looked at Abraham. And so there was Abraham, and Abraham heard God say, take your only miracle son and go over here and sacrifice him and offer him up to me. And so Abraham did that. He started doing what God said. And then when he got there and he put the boy on the altar and he was about ready to drive in the knife, it says, and God said again, stop i see that you won't keep him from me and and there's a whole thing and remember we said this one phrase that's been in my how many isaacs have died because we went with what god said only and not with what he's saying so remember faith is now it says in hebrews chapter 11 around verse 3 now faith is or we can say faith is now There's only one tense to faith, and that's now. So therefore, our hearing is now. Does that make sense? So how does faith come? By hearing. And by hearing what God is saying now, and by hearing it with the attitude of someone who will do what God says. And I know I'm going slow on purpose. If I say, Brad, slow down, I can go real fast, but we're going somewhere and we're going to build into what this looks like here, I believe today. But I want to make sure that that's clear, that faith is not passive, it's active. And faith is active now. Yes. Does that make sense? So go to Luke chapter six, if you're not already there. Luke chapter, is that okay? Okay. okay? Maybe Mr. Josh could help you. Real quick, I'll I'll keep setting it up. So Luke chapter six, and we looked at this a couple of Thursday nights ago, but we didn't get it recorded. And I wanted to say it in a way that it would be captured because it seemed like it was a new thought for us. So here Jesus is talking and he says in verse 46, but why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do the things I say? Right? Did you hear that? So i, I got to stop right there. So what makes Jesus Lord in my life? Doing what he says. So therefore, with what Jesus just said, if I'm unwilling to do what he says, can I call him Lord? No, not truly. Do you see what Jesus is saying? Why do you say, Lord, Lord, but you don't actually do what I tell you to do. And he's saying, so therefore you're you're not really telling me that I'm Lord. Yeah. Come on, are, are you with me? Love it. Y'all looking at me like a cow to Newgate. Everybody are y'all just chewing, right?
1: Good.
0: Right? How do you understand? How do you tell Jesus that you love him?
1: Yes, by doing. Remember? If you will J- be.
0: Jesus said, Hey, if you love me, what do you do? You keep my commandments. Do you understand that it's awesome for us to verbally say, Jesus, I love you, but if I only tell him with my words and I don't tell him with my actions, then I don't actually love him. Come on now. Yes. Have you ever thought of, see, obedience equals love. They get, for parents' sake, that's why we teach our children to obey. It's not because it makes me look good or it helps me. You know, Actually, the easiest thing as a parent is to let your kid run, or, run amok and do whatever in the world they want to do. That's the easy part, right? But what we teach our children and why we teach them to obey is because they may not understand it because of their age, but you're actually teaching them how to tell God, I love you.
1: Yes, that's right.
0: They're actually, you're teaching them how to express love in this life. Yeah, Mm -hmm. because Jesus said, hey, if you love me, you do what I say. Hey, if I'm Lord, you do what I say. He continues on. He says in verse 47, whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, I will show you who he is like. Verse 48, he is like a man that building his house, he dug a deep and laid the foundation on a rock. And when the flood arose and the stream beat vehemently against that house, it could not shake it because it was founded on the rock. Now, real quick, let me ask a question. Can y'all help me. So what's the rock? So what is it? So Jesus, the word. Again. If you read the story, remember Jesus said, hey, listen, and I'm going to teach the same thing. This is basic. As you read the Bible, here's some basic things to help you understand it. You ask some questions. So I'm going to ask you, so who's doing the talking? Jesus is. Jesus. Yes. Who is he talking to? To
1: his disciples.
0: In this case, he's talking, you go back, look, he's he's talking to the disciples. What is he talking about?
1: Being, being followers of
0: Jesus. Being followers. He's actually talking about obedience. So Jesus is doing the talking. He's talking to the disciples. And the subject under discussion here is the subject of obedience. So then he says, so whoever hears these sayings of mine and then does them, who is he like? He's like a man who builds his house on the rock. So in the little context, what's the rock? Y'all too, too afraid to ask. Answer. What's the rock? Obeying. Obeying. How many of you, like me, you, you grew up in church and you were told the rock was Jesus? Come on. And the rock was his word only. But again, listen guys, but in reality, Jesus defined what the rock was because he said, Someone who hears my word and does it. He is the man who builds his house on the rock. I want to say that, guys, because listen, it's so important for us to understand that the foundation that keeps our life secure isn't just Jesus alone, isn't just the word of God alone The only thing that makes my life secure is the word of God that I've heard and I'm willing to do.
1: And quite honestly, nobody can take that away from you. Mm -mm. If you are already in the practice of hearing his word and doing what you hear, no matter what comes, nobody can take that away from you. That's That's just what happens. And then the next time when you hear something and you're in the habit of doing what you hear, it's that attitude of the heart that Jesus said, take heed how you hear. So then when you're doing that, again, no no matter what comes, nobody can take that foundation away from you. You are unshakable because you do. You're unshakable. So even in in, um, other learning. Okay, we're we're supposed to all be learning and growing in all different ways, right? There's been things I've had to learn recently, just about how to get our YouTube stuff out there more often or how you know, like just so much learning. Well, I could be a a, a webinar junkie and just consume all this knowledge and not actually do any of it. And guess what? None of it sticks. And guess what? None of it works. So I could throw up my hands and go, well, this is not working. I don't know what they're talking about. This is wor- this is terrible. It's not working. Well, as long as I'm just consuming the information and not actually implementing it, who am I kidding?
0: It was kind of like, you know, jokingly. So how many of you enjoy um, eating popcorn while you watch that exercise video? <laughs> so, you know, you're there, and the, the, they're, they're doing it. And, and you're, man, that looks, man, I know that would work. I know that, that right there. It, because listen, this is important. Why? Because if I look at my life, because he goes. one of me goes on to say this, let me just finish the story. And he says in verse 49, but he that hears and does nothing like a man who builds his house on the earth without a foundation against which the strength and immediately the house falls and great is the ruin of the house. So again, if I look at my life and I go, man, there's a part of my life that is falling apart, especially when a, a struggle or something goes on, what should that tell me? That I'm not doing whatever it is that God says I need to do. Right Now guys, I wish I could say, like I know many times that if you did the word of God, it would be sunshiny days, blue skies and white puffy clouds and little birds will sing in flower. And it'll just be, you know, as Brother Hagen used to say, it'll be just a flowery bed of ease. But Jesus didn't say that, did he? Because listen, there will be challenges in life. There will be storms that do come. Mm -hmm. And Jesus says, but how do you weather the storms of life? You weather the storms of life by making sure I have heard from the Lord and I am doing what I hear. Do you see that? Yes. And that exchange is actually faith. Yeah. Only one part of it isn't faith. That's why again, and I want to say this, because I mean I grew up in word of faith, which again I'm trying to throw rocks. I love word of faith. I love all that I was taught by Brother Hagen and all this. But he would tell you, if all you do is just listen and you do not do, you don't actually have faith. Right. How I many of you know that there's all kinds of like that in our life? They yes. hear Yes. They hear the word of God. They hear, they may even hear from the spirit of God. But their attitude is one of, well, I don't know about that. You ever <laughs> into those people, those church folks before?
1: Or, oh, but that's hard.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, or somebody says, well, God told me, but I, I just didn't do it. And I like what I heard one man say, but well, you kind of lost me at what God told me. okay <laughs> this. I thought y'all would laugh a little bit more. Y'all all right? Everybody all right this morning? Yeah. Are, are you with me? Yeah. I mean, it, it's this understanding of, man. And let me say, okay, let me say this, because this also comes up. You have to understand how many of you, and be honest, you're afraid that you're going to miss it with God. Mm. You're going to make a mistake. I, I think all of us can raise our hand, right? That we might not get it right. Listen, let me let me be very clear we had all these kids that belong to us. And that's something God's taught me through my children is for disobedience to happen, there are some things that had to be in place first. Mm -hmm. So for any of my kids to disobey me, they first would have had to heard heard what I said. Secondly, they would have had to understood what I said. They have to understand the instruction. Then they would have said, no, I'm not doing that. I'll pick on since she's here, I'll pick on Sophia as she's here from college. <laughs> no, well Sophia was the she was the cute one when she was real little and she would be there and you would say Sophia, would you please go do this and she would hear you and she would go oh, Yes, Daddy, I'll be glad to and then she'd never <laughs> right?
1: right?
0: you know whereas Savannah, the next one in line. You know, she would hear what you said. She'd look at you and go, no, I'm not doing that. She'd just tell you no straight up to your face. Just like, nope, not doing that. Which one was more obedient than the other? Neither. Because they didn't do anything. It's just disobedience looked different. Remember, that's what Jesus said. Jesus said a man had two sons. And to one son, he said, hey, go do this. And that son said, sure, father. And he goes away and doesn't do it. And then there was another son. He said, hey, you go do this. And that one just him and said, no, I ain't doing that. But it says the second son wandered away, felt condemned, guilty, and just went and did what his father said. And Jesus said, so which son actually obeyed? The one who actually did what God said. Now, listen to me. I want to say that. You can't miss God if you haven't heard and you haven't understood.
1: Right. Right.
0: Right. Because for me to be able to say yes and no, for me to be able to yield and obey or disobey and rebel, I would have had to have heard, understood, and then whether nicely or meanly. And then then chosen. And then have made a choice. No, I'm not doing that. Mm -hmm. Do you see that? So you don't have to worry about missing God. Right. Because God's not playing peekaboo with you.
1: Right. Amen.
0: Uh, If I could help anybody, God is crystal clear.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Right. He's given us his word, which is his will written out. We all begin here. Then he gives us his spirit and then promises us because we're born again, we can hear him. Does that make sense? So, when it seems mysterious or vague, you just need to go with, I don't fully know yet. I'm going to walk in that direction because probably it's me. Come on. I'm just trying to tell you how I help, how Brad helps Brad. When it's fuzzy to Brad, I realize there's no problem on God's side because God is crystal clear. Yeah. The the issue is with Brad in some way, something going on in my soul, something going on in my emotions, something going on with something. So what do I do? All right, Lord, let me subject under discussion, whatever it is, I'm going to go to the Bible. And when I clearly see anything to do with that subject under discussion in the Bible, I'm just going to start with it's clear. Yeah. And so I'm going to just start obeying the word as it is written. Does that make sense? And then from there, I'm gonna keep going to Holy Spirit and saying, okay, any any details, any fine-tuning you want to do?
1: Does that help? Yes.
0: All right, good. Because why? Because that's actually faith. All right, so let's go again. So how does faith come? By hearing. By hearing. How does hearing come?
1: By the word of God.
0: Right. Is faith passive or active?
1: It's active.
0: Is faith passive? Past tense or present tense? Present tense. So faith is actively, presently, today, hearing from the Word of God on whatever it is I'm going to God about. So now remember, and you can go to Hebrews 11, 6 again. I know this is slow. I feel like this is kindergarten class. Is this okay? Is this good? Anybody want me to change subjects? (laughs) I'm sorry. If you do, we're going to keep doing this one. Okay. (laughs) amen but hebrews chapter 11 and we've been looking at this one again hebrews chapter 11 in verse 6 and it says again but without faith it is impossible to please god so back again so what is faith faith is presently actively Actively. hearing from god that is faith Mm -hmm. So then, what pleases God? Presently, actively hearing from God. Go ahead, go jump in. faith in my head is, why I think
1: that
0: God is doing true too. Yes. Very, very good. Very good, Kurt. It's so good. And just for the recording for Kurt, what he was saying, great thought. You know, many times we said that faith is always, well, what is God going to do? That's faith. That he's going to do something, right? Versus faith is actually me listening to God and me working with God to do what God now, so let's clarify, because you're, you're, it, it's, it's, how do you say it's, it's, you're, it's not a hundred percent yet. You're real close. So let's look at this. So remember, so faith pleases God, but remember He says in the same verse, because if I want to come to God in relationship, what are the two things I must believe?
1: That He is.
0: That He is.
1: And that he is a rewarder. And
0: that he is a rewarder to those who diligently seek him for who he is. Mm -hmm. So my faith is in God. Mm -hmm. I don't have, remember we talked about that a few weeks. I don't have faith in brand. I don't have faith in my faith. My faith is in God. I'm coming to God. So we're going to do this real quick because it applies to everybody. We're going to look at, if you will, um, provision, if you want to call it prosperity, if you want to call it money, if you want to call it work, we're going to use that as an example over the next few weeks. Does that make sense? And the reason why is because it does affect, how many of you, you, you got money? Who's got money? Somebody you got money in your pocket or in your bank account or both. All right, how many of you would like some more money? And that's okay to say. If you don't want any more money, you can give me anything you don't want. Right? No problems. I'll pray over it. It'll be awesome. i just does that, So but I just show that to say that it's not greedy or or money grabbing, it just connects all of us. Hmm. And Jesus said, money is actually the least of all things. Does so that make sense? And he actually said if you understand money and its connection. Right. I love hearing the little sucky sound of Jonathan in the back on the bottle. It's awesome. Um, we don't have a mouse in the building. We have a Jonathan. It's awesome. That, so Jesus said, it's the least, it's the most common of all things. When you understand money, because it's common, you get a whole bunch of other stuff that's more important than money. Right. Does that make sense? Because Jesus said, if you don't get money and know how to be faithful with money, how will you actually know how to be faithful with the real riches of the kingdom of God? Right. So in an interesting thing Jesus and God tied money and real spiritual treasure together. Yes. I need you to see that because it's it's something that gets misunderstood because the moment somebody stands up here and talks about money, they all everybody goes, well the preacher he's just talking about money. Right? He's just after my money. He's just trying guys listen. If this was a money making endeavor being a pastor we would have no problems with churches. Mm-hmm. I'm just gonna leave the. Well, are you with me? Do under, you understand? Most pastors have to work for a living just like you do because their churches can't take care of them financially.
1: That is statistically. Statistically, that's
0: just the truth, right? Does that make sense? So I, I say all that to say that, that when you hear ministers genuinely talking about money, most of the time, it's not got any nefarious or negative connotations. Now, I understand, and we have all seen over church history, people be abusive with money. Everybody ever seen somebody abuse the subject of money before? Yes. Anybody yes. besides me? Everybody yes. ever seen that, yes. right? Well, how many of you know that they abuse the subject of heaven, and I'm still planning on going to heaven? Yes. Yes. <laughs> so you understand they they abuse. We can abuse all kinds of subjects that are still good for us. Yeah. Does that make sense? So I just say all that as groundwork to say over the next few weeks we're going to talk about prosperity. We're going to talk about money in this connection. So therefore, back to Hebrews eleven six. So if you're like me, and if you would like to see your household prosper more. If you would like to see more money come your way because you've got big things you want to do for God, you got big things you want to do for your family, right? You got big things you want to do for your community and your church family. Anybody else besides me got that? I mean, nobody. I'm going to thank you for the four people who want to do something awesome with their life, right? I mean, I, I, mean, I want to do some things that's going to take some money. So it says, so If I come to God and I want to talk about my finances, how do I approach him? What's the two things I need to come to God about?
1: I believe who you are.
0: Who he is. And you will reward me for who you are. Again, just to kind of, for time's sake, you know, we've been talking about Genesis chapter 22, and we'll look at it where Abraham said one of God's names is Jehovah. Gaira, he is the God who will provide. Yes. In the same thing, it's in chapter twelve. It says in Abraham when Abraham was first introduced to God, it says God showed up and he was the one who was called El Shaddai, or the it's translated the Almighty One. But that's an okay translation. A better translation is he is the God who is more than enough.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes.
0: He is the God of great sufficiency. Yes. That's how God introduced himself to Abraham. I am the God that is more than enough, and I am the God that will provide for you. Yes. So those are still true for us today. Yes. Right? So if I'm looking to increase my life, my household financially, then I come to Jehovah Jireh. I come to El Shaddai knowing... That he actually is that. Mm -hmm. I like, I give one minute. Aren't you glad he's El Shaddai and not El Chipo? Yes. Yes. Are you with me?
1: Very glad.
0: Aren't you the, he's the God that provides, not the God that takes.
1: Right. Yeah. Come on. Yes. Amen. Yeah.
0: Aren't you the God? He is the God that is way more than you can ask or think or imagine, as Paul said. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm doing a whole lot better teaching y'all are shouting, amen. No, and I know this might be, let's take a second with this. I want you to stop and honestly ask yourself, how do you see God? Is he someone who is keeping things from you? Is he someone that he's just, he's just to penny penny with you? He just wants to see how tough you are and how far you can scrape by on almost nothing. oh or is he what he said he, he is the god who will provide hmm. he is the god who is abundant amen I'll be with me we got all kinds of i just feel inspired to say have you i mean it's harvest time around anybody could have a, a pumpkin open besides the holloman anybody make a jack-o'-lantern this year who, who did that
1: Tons of- so
0: so when you open that sucker up what was on the inside of it one or two how many of you you ended up with almost a walmart bag full of seeds from one pumpkin yes yes and and who made that pumpkin so if God was really all about being stingy. He would have put one seed.
1: He'd in He would have
0: put one, maybe two seeds you had to go hunting for in there. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Now, do you understand it's only mankind that makes seedless fruit? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. God never made seedless fruit. Right. Why? Because he wants everything to produce abundantly. Yes. He wanted you to know who he was. Remember, Paul said that the very creation will teach you his attributes.
1: Basically, saying there's more where that came from. There's
0: more where that. You
1: lots could, more. Where lots that that came more. From.
0: <laughs> I mean, we're the only ones that are aggravated by abundance. <laughs>
1: but, yes. Uh, are you with me? Yes.
0: We're the only ones who cut open a watermelon and go, dang it, look at all them seeds. Got to deal with all this seeds. What an aggravation. And have you ever not, Have you ever had like a, a seedless orange? Mm-hmm. Even on this, have you ever, ever noticed that it's actually never actually seedless?
1: There's always something in there.
0: Because you got that seedless orange and you put that piece in there and you bite down and what do you bite? Because, no, because God is just the the very creation, even though we try to get it to not produce, it still produces seed. Yes. Yeah. Do you understand? We have to work against God's very design. nature and design to say we lack. Yes.
1: Yes. Amen.
0: Because come on, we, we have to. What? Because I'm coming to him as he is, and I am seeking him diligently, knowing that Lord, if you're the God who puts that many seeds in a watermelon, right? What are you going to do for me?
1: Right.
0: Right. That, so some of this is. And what we're talking about is the action, whatever God is asking you to do, the action is simply the connector to what God is. So I'm going to jump, jump. <laughs>
1: Say it this way. So if I want to know God as my provider, then based on what we're talking about, I will come to him in that area. Yes. And I will say, God, I believe that you are El Shaddai. You are uh, more than enough. You are overabundant. And I am not seeing that manifested in my life. So I need your help and I'm coming to you. And I know that you're going to reward me based on this subject under discussion right now. Now, if I need to see him as father, And I'm going to him because I believe he's father. Do you see how there's all these different areas where whatever it is you need to approach him as, go ahead and approach him. But because we're talking about money, so if I come to him uh, with that, then my heavenly father is going to say, awesome. So let me teach you about abundance. And now I'm inviting you to walk with me while I teach you about abundance. So this is always an invitation. And Kurt, I've I've had that same question for a long time because I feel like God gives us a promise and all of a sudden we go, faith rises in our heart. We're like, this is awesome. He's given me this promise. I wonder how he's going to bring it to pass. And then we sit and we wait for him to bring it to pass, right? And so then my pendulum has swung all the way to the other side where I was like, well, he's not doing it. So I guess he's waiting for me to get up off my behind, off this couch and get working. So then then I've gone to the other extreme where like, I guess I got to make this happen. He made the promise that maybe he was just showing me that there's a possibility of this or that this is actually out there for me, but I got to go get it. So then I go all the way to the other side and I'm like, well, who was it? Was it you that provided? Because I can't call you provider if I'm the one doing that. The people that don't even know you are doing that. They're going out there and slaying it. They're going out there and working and getting the thing done and making the money and the money goes in the bank and they're enjoying it. How does that set me apart from the unbeliever? I need to know, right? And so what I just recently, the the whole part of that is, okay, I'm, I want to know where the supernatural is. What What is my faith actually doing in this moment? I do believe you're a provider. I am coming to you. And I am trying to hear whatever it is you're telling us to do, but what is my part and what is your part? There's a natural part that I take and there's a supernatural part that he has. And he spoke to me and he said, what I'm doing is I am inviting you to come learn about this with me, right? And then this is unshakable. Yeah. Because then no matter what my need may be in the future, I don't have to come back to relearn that lesson and to ask him to zap me again.
0: Yeah. What he's
1: doing is he's establishing the lesson and the foundational stone and saying, okay, so first things first, trust. Yeah. Trust in me is a huge thing. So the way we, and we'll talk about it, I'm sure, but the way we show Father our trust in this area, because it's the least of all things, it's with my tithe. Okay, but there's a right way of believing about this. There's a right way of engaging with this. It's not all these other errors that have been taught. You won't get blessed if you tithe. That's not right. You are blessed. Therefore, you tithe. Therefore, you say you trust me. And so now that we have that foundational piece, it's like when I teach my kids something, right? Then they come back and go, okay, I think I got that. Now what? What? That now what is the active, present faith is yeah. the active, present. I am actively, presently listening to my heavenly father as my provider. So he taught me this lesson about tithing. Now what? I'm listening. Yeah. Now I'm coming back to you going, mm-hmm. did I learn it? Or did I get some mistakes in there? Some poor teaching, some bad doctrine, whatever. Let's weed that out. Let's make sure it's good. Now let's move on. Guess what? That lesson, I am unshakable in that because of the invitation he made for me to walk alongside him. But it's that continuous. Now, today, okay, what are we doing about this whole provision thing, this abundance thing? I need to make sure that I'm aligning my thoughts to your thoughts and my ways to your ways and that is walking by faith. That is engaging him and saying yes to his invitation and now I can call him Lord. Right? Now I can call him Lord because I'm actually putting into practice the things that he's telling me to do. But it's all based oh. it's all it's <laughs> all based on an invitation. No, it's fine. It's fine. Oh it's okay. Uh it's all based on an invitation. So many times I feel like When we hear teachings on faith, we instantly get into guilt, shame, and condemnation because it's all about what I'm not doing or what I'm not accomplishing or what I'm not receiving or what I'm not being able to do or see. And it's like the whole point of this is Heavenly Father is giving us an invitation. So if there's a pain point, I guess you could call it like a, okay, why am I not seeing? I know for me, it's been, why don't I see the supernatural abundance that I see in the word? Why am I not seeing that? Very good. Right? So then that is like my pain point. And I'm going to him and I'm honestly wanting to hear his voice. Uh, I want to know him as as it pertains to this provision thing. And I want to do whatever it is he's talking to me. But see, the first one that came was I came to him going, this is broken. (laughs) I need help. And then he goes, oh, well, honey, I can totally fix that. This is my promise. Yeah. Okay. How does that work? Active response. Well, come and see. That's discipleship, right? Come and see. It's not, well, I just bring all over that thing. And anytime you need that, you come back to me. No, it's an invitation. It's okay. Come and see. I'll teach you. Yeah. Right. So um, I hope that clarifies a little bit where we fit in the whole scheme of things and, and why we can say, yeah, he is our provider. Yeah. Right. I saw it more and more. I guess the next lesson for us was when Brad started a handyman business some years ago, and we literally had to believe God that when this job was done, we'd get a new client from somewhere, somehow because this is, this was how he was providing for our family. And I saw God's supernatural provision in that he wasn't booked out for months. That wasn't the point. The point was he was booked up right now. And as this job was starting to end and we could be tempted to get afraid and go, okay, where's the next client? What's the next job? I'm willing to work. I know I'm blessed. And everything I put my hand to is blessed. I need something to put my hand to. Yeah then all of a sudden the lord would send a different client a new client or a repeat client but that was a walk of faith continuously guys for 9 years for 9 years we never knew where the next client was going to come from and sometimes we were booked out for like a month but it was not like, like this oh you know what we're we we got this we we can just go to the job and get paid and we're done that was never uh the case so it was this this walk of faith of father we see you as provider. Now, did we do the work? Yeah, buddy. That was a lot of work. There was times my kids and I would go help him build a fence so that it could get done or a deck or whatever. So it could get done and then we could actually have time together. Right? So the work was there and it was real, but his provision was a continuous trickle of clientele. So I just, I want you to see that this whole faith walk in whatever you're asking him, Whatever, however it is you're approaching him as who he is in that moment, it's an invitation to come and see, to walk alongside him so he can teach you about it all, not so he can just wave his wand.
0: Oh, it's good, and I like what you say. So, is that is that helping encourage your? I love the question because we're bringing it in because it's that understanding the relationship dynamics with God. So that faith is always an invitation into action. Now, we sometimes it's weird for us to talk that way, but how many of you, you have a friend who's got a buddy? Right now, this is especially true of us guys. So I'm going to talk to the dudes. I'll pick on Kurt since Kurt's. So Kurt, how do we hang out as, yeah, how do we hang out as guys?
1: Clear
0: an does that make usually cooking fishing <clears throat> yeah there's some kind of activity how many of you you would say that's that's true how many of you okay for the girls is it somewhat true for y'all
1: yeah there's just one activity called conversation
0: yeah that y'all do a lot, that of. We do a yeah, lot of yeah that's true but Where, it's
1: really not any different
0: it so, does so, so huh Shopping well, I mean again, there's there's more, but how many of you can think back over all of your relationships, male or female and you have a relationship where you do nothing? Anybody got a relationship where you just do nothing? a dog a dog but 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 think you you just have a relationship where you're seated and nothing happens. And you're there. How many of you you do got some of those relationships, but you don't spend time with those people? Come on, can this just be? Yep. You've got some people in your life where you're like, ooh, them? And we normally say, oh, I don't want to hang out with them. Why do we not want to hang out with them? Because we don't do anything. Right. Right. We go over there and sit and we... Be. And there we were just like, you know, again, I don't like the joke. And of course, you know, you know how, you know how crows know it's a scarecrow in the garden because it's not looking at its phone. <laughs> so anyway, but, but, hey, but listen, I sell that as an example. Listen, you already do the mechanics of this. How many of you, you've, you've ever hung out with me? Kurt. What have you and I done together? Still yep, uh, dressing animals. Field dressing animals. And, and why do you think you and I have gone fishing before? Yeah. But you came to me and you, you said, there's Brad. He fishes. I like fishing. No, I mean, c- hey, listen, are you, now, why do we not do that with God? There's God. He's a provider. Mm-hmm. There's God. He's a creator that makes things. There's God. This is who He is. So, and again, it's not about religion, it's about relationship. relationship. And yet, I don't have an expectation that if I approach the one who made me, and this is how we do it, that when I come and approach him, it's not going to be the same way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes, that's
1: right.
0: Yeah. See him, very good. Let me help and speak. And I would my only challenge to that with is yes, you can. Right, right here, and that's that. That's the importance of why faith comes from the word. Is that the word of God isn't a book only? It's a person. The word of God truly is a person. That's why it's living and it's powerful and it's sharper. And that's why Jesus said to Philip, even hey listen Philip have you hung out with me so long and you don't know who God is? Because Jesus said what? If you've seen, seen me, me,
1: you've seen the Father. Then
0: you've seen him. And then would we say that Jesus is the word of God? Right? So then if I've seen this, I've seen Jesus. Therefore, I've seen God. Mm -hmm. Yes. And that's why we always begin here. But it's interesting Mm -hmm. because
1: then now we know how to come to this. Yeah. It's not just I need to check this off my list every morning because that's what a good Christian does. Yeah. It's I'm coming to this to see him. I'm coming. This is my date. This is my coffee date with him. I'm coming to see him. I'm coming to hang out. I'm coming to find out more about
0: him. Yeah. Well, and, and, and I'll say this, and we're gonna land the plane here just for, for time So We just have a few more minutes, if you will. We'll keep picking up with this each week. Because listen to me, that's why all of this begins with doing what is written. You've probably heard me say this before. So many, especially of our flavor of Christianity, charismatics, Pentecostals, word of faithers, we can get so hung up on what is God saying that isn't in here and not begin with, well, what has he said that I can do? And I think many times in this journey, it's kind of like God's kind of, at least to me, saying, well, Brad, I want you to do the clear first before you start getting into the unclear. But we want to kind of skip the clear and get off into the unclear maybe what does that make sense and so that's why when we come here and we look and we look at these whole stories right and i'll have bring it if y'all remind me i'll, I'll bring it this week or i'll put it on, but uh, i think it was uh billy graham that wrote this whole thing called jesus in every book of the bible mm-hmm. uh, i'm just gonna say i think
1: I, it's on it's in a video on youtube it,
0: it's in a video but i think actually i wrote it down Let me just see if I I copied it. Not that I wrote it. I copied it from the interweb. I asked Pastor Google. And maybe I didn't. Anyway, so let me just real quick. Y'all bear with me just real quick. And we'll kind of land the plane. Let's just see here. And I'll find it. Jesus, don't you love the internet? I do. All right, very good. Let's see if it comes up. All right, so here's just a real quick list, and and I'll find the one I found this week, and I'll put it out there, but just listen. So, guys, listen, the Bible is about Jesus so that we can see him and know him, and we know how to approach him. So, for example, in Genesis, he is the creator and the promised redeemer. In Exodus, he's the Passover lamb. In Leviticus, he's our high priest. In Numbers, he is the water in the desert. In Deuteronomy, he becomes the curse for us. In Joshua, he is the commander of the army of the Lord. In judges, he delivers us from injustice. In Samuel, he is the all-in-one. He is the prophet, priest, and king. In 2 Samuel, he is the king of grace and love. In 1 Kings, he is the ruler and the great that is greater than Solomon. In 2 Kings, he is the powerful prophet. In Chronicles, he's the son of David that is coming to rule. In 2 Chronicles, chronicles he is the king who reigns eternally In Ezra, he is the priest proclaiming freedom. In Nehemiah, he is the one that restores what has been broken down. In Esther, he is the protector of his people. In Job, he is the mediator between God and man. In Psalms, he is our song in the morning and in the nighttime. In Proverbs, he is our wisdom. In Ecclesiastes, he is our meaning for life. In Song of Solomon, he is the author of faithful love. In Isaiah, he is the suffering servant. In Jeremiah, he is the weeping Messiah. Messiah. In Lamentations, he assumes God's wrath for us. In Ezekiel, he is the Son of Man. In Daniel, he is the stranger in the fire with us. In Hosea, he is the faithful husband, even when we run away. In Joel, he is sending his spirit to his people. In Amos, he delivers justice to the oppressed. In Obadiah, he is the judge who does who he is the judge of those who do evil. In Jonah, he is the great missionary. In Micah, he cast out our sin into the sea of forgiveness. In Nahum, he proclaims the future world peace we cannot even imagine. In Habakkuk, he crushes injustice. In Zephaniah, he is the warrior who saves. In Haggai, he restores our worship. In Zechariah, he prophesies a Messiah that is pierced for us. In Malachi, he is the son of righteousness that brings healing in his wings. In Matthew, he is the Messiah who is king. In Mark, he is the Messiah who is servant. In Luke, he is the Messiah who is deliverer. In John, he is the Messiah who is God in the flesh. In Acts, he is the spirit that dwells in his people. In Romans, he is the righteousness of God. In 1 Corinthians, he is power and love of God. In 2 Corinthians, he is the down payment of what is to come. In Galatians, he is our very life. In Ephesians, he is the unity of our church. In Philippians, he is the joy of our life. In Colossians, he holds the supreme position in all things. In 1 Thessalonians, he is our comfort in the last days. In 2 Thessalonians, he is our returning king. In 1 Timothy, he is the savior of the worst sinners. 2 Timothy, he is the leader of leaders. In Titus, he is the foundation of truth. In Philemon, he is our mediator. In Hebrews, he is our high priest. In James, he matures our faith. In 1 Peter, he is our hope in times of suffering. In 2 Peter, he is the one who guards us from false teachings. In 1 John, he is the source of all fellowship. In 2 John, he is God in the flesh. In 3 John, he is the source of all truth. In Jude, he protects us from stubborn. And in Revelation, he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Yes. So see, we see him. Yes. And like any physical relationship, any interaction of faith is always an invitation into action. There's always those two things are going to come. I'm going to come to him for who he is. I'm going to seek him and know that he will reward me based on who he is. But understanding that that reward comes with an instruction. The reward comes with an activity. How many of you, when you hang out with your friends, you feel rewarded? Yes. Why? Because you say things like this. They spent time with me. We went and did this we went and built that we went and accomplished the and what do we call that oh that's relationship and when it's not present we say oh that relationship is dead doesn't that sound like we'll read it next week james faith without works is dead. dead Faith without the invitation to action is like a friendship with no invitation to action. You can't have it. Right. Because see, the reward, again, when you hang out with somebody that likes to fish, what do you do? You go fishing. If you hang out with somebody that likes to build, what do you do? You build. When you hang out with people who love to have great, deep conversations, what do you know you're going to do? You're gonna talk, right? When you when, does yeah. that make sense? Yeah. When you hang out with people who like to run, what you better bring your tennis shoes. Well, I mean, but hey, here's the thing: as we do that, and we go, no. But what if I looked at my life and all of a sudden I said, you know, I need to run.
1: Don't go hang out with the friends that don't like to run.
0: Then does that make sense? Yeah. Come on. Yeah. Uh, hopefully, this see it's a lot easier than we thought. And and so, and and faith is a whole lot more relational than we thought. Faith was never a passive, I'm going to sit back and see what my friend does for me, only. But faith, faith is, I come to my friend who I know is this, and I'm coming to them as they are, who they are. I'm looking to them because I can, whatever, I can look at my life and go, ooh, yeah, I need to increase here. Ooh, yeah, I need to grow here. Ooh, yeah, I need more of that. I don't even have that in my life. Yeah, mean, exactly. I mean, like, we can read through those things I just read and look, at, yeah, I need some of who Jesus is in that area because ain't, I didn't even let him be present there.
1: Yes. <laughs> right.
0: And so, but I'm going to come to him as he is. And I can have an expectation then that faith is going to be an active relationship where he begins to say, okay, because I am provider here, let's start doing this together. Not you apart from me, nor me apart from you, but us together doing actions that are based on who I am. That's right. And then all of a sudden we see, He begins to show up. Yes. He becomes more visible. Things begin to produce in our life. Does that make sense?
1: I'd like to close with this. Yeah, close
0: with this. Yes. So I always
1: like to relate it to our family life. Okay. So, for example, I love it when my kids come to me and ask me to teach them to play the piano so they can either lead a song or just learn how to play something. Well, that is something I know how to do. Now, when they come to me, they're seeking me, right? So you've seen the analogy here. They're seeking me as piano-playing mama. And they come with an expectation that I'm going to uh, teach them and pour into them. And so parents, you know, when when, you're, when your kids are finally interested in something that you know how to do, um, make sure that you take the time to not get grumpy <laughs> just because they don't know how to do it.
0: I right? think step on my toes.
1: Well, you go right ahead. <laughs> um, but it's it's like I, you have to slow down and bring, the, bring them along. Say, okay, come and see. And then you know, because you love your child, you know their level, you know where they're at. And then you start teaching them how to do this. You need to practice this. Okay, start with that. Okay, now put your fingers here. Okay, now do that. And now don't try that yet. You're not ready for that. Let's do this. But the more you're walking along with them, again, it's an invitation to hang out, because you're gonna hang out, but you're also giving them the work that they need to do in order to learn the thing that they're asking you, right? And so as parents, let me just encourage you, let's be our heavenly father to where our children feel rewarded. Just, well, I learned how to play the piano, but I don't I don't have any happy memories about that. <laughs> Right. Or, well, yeah, I learned, but it was just not even fun. Now I regret it. God. Well, yeah, I can play, but I don't ever want to play again. Right. So let's let's notice um, where we are at in that moment when they come to us. Now, you know, for example, we might be working on something outside and we know what we're doing and we know how we're doing it and why we're doing it the way we're doing it. And maybe our kids don't even want to be outside, <laughs> but we want them to learn, right? Well, it's our responsibility to make it attractive to them. It really is. And then, it, even if it's not as attractive to them, and we're trying our best to make it a fun experience for them, bring them along and realize they just don't know. It's new. It's We tell our kids all the time, it's not hard, it's just new. And so... When they come along and they start to do it, praise, 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 praise every little effort they make, right? Because every time I come to the mother, it's because I don't know. And I never get any guilt, shame, or condemnation for not knowing. Never made me to feel inferior or ignorant just because I don't know. And so let's, let's model the way our Heavenly Father parents us in how we parent our children. And make that a safe space for making mistakes. Because when somebody's learning, they're gonna make plenty. I did. I mean, when I when I, even to this day, if I'm practicing a song on the piano, I did it today here. Woo, that sounded terrible. I need to go home and work on that one thing over and over until my fingers obey, <laughs> right? So we don't know what we don't know. So as parents, I just encourage us to remind ourselves. And I think as we walk this out with our own kids, it will help us see the father's heart toward us.
0: Very good. Right.
1: And so remember, it's an invitation. And sometimes you might have to say, all right, well, I've been inviting you for a while to come outside and work with me and learn how to do this. And you've been saying, no, and putting it off and you don't want to. So at this point you need to, because this is the life skill that you need. So do come, but I'm still going to be gentle and tenderhearted as I teach you. And as I, as I walk you through what you need to do and no guilt, shame, or condemnation when you're making mistakes, even an attitude, Right. right? Because our heavenly father doesn't Function that he doesn't scold us or talk down to us or any of that. He just maintains the standard and says, let's do that again. (laughs) Oh, we missed it that time. We didn't do it quite right. Whether it's the attitude or the action, let's do that again. I am inviting you, you know, hey, you'll get it. You'll get 15 times later. Let's do that again. It's okay. You'll get it. We're not going anywhere. And we're not moving on to the big whatever you want to do until this is done because you have to learn this first. But there's that atmosphere of love and a safe place to make mistakes where you can be uh, corrected and redirected. Um, But that really requires us. So parenting is mainly 90% parenting ourselves first, being um, aligned with with who God called us to be as the authority in that child's life right? So we have to really parent ourselves and self govern. And then we can parent our kids. Then we can parent our teens. Then we can parent and train our little ones with that love and tenderness. And just remember every time, every time you're doing this whole, my child just came to me and they want to sweep the floor with me when they're two and three, they love doing all the things you're doing. So when they come, it's not about them doing the job perfectly. They came Right, they came. So let's keep just making that a fun thing and a bonding time where our relationship with our children grows.
0: Yeah. Very okay. good. Okay. Hey, well, let's do this, guys, as we close. Just close your eyes. And just what I sense and to do and to kind of take a, a step in this direction. What area of life week do you need to know God in better? Or you need to better know God in? Again, as an example in the messages, we'll talk about. Again, finances, prosperity, but it does have to be limited to that. What is in your life that you need to know God in? You need to know who he is. You need to to see him, as we've been saying, in this area. And just right now, from your heart and and just as a prayer, just say, uh, God, I'd like to know you that way. I'd like to know you. Who are you in this area? Who are you here? Father, introduce yourself to me here. Show me who you are. I'm coming to know you, uh, and I invite. And now the next, and I invite you into this area. Amen. Who who are you, Lord? Here, and if you will, just on on a piece of paper, your phone, whatever you got, I'd encourage you to start writing that down. What is that area? Amen. What is that area that you want to know God in? You want to know who he is in this area for you. Because then on that same document or that same note, you're going to begin to let the Holy Spirit lead you to verses that will introduce you to who he is. And so, Father, now as I close, I just pray over the people and I just say thank you. Lord, you said we could ask you for wisdom. Lord, you said you wanted us to come and know who you are. You wanted us to seek you diligently and that you will engage us in relationship based on who you are. So, Father, show us who you are in the Bible in these areas. Show us who you are in Scripture. In Jesus' name.